which is about equal to a full marathon when you throw in, you know, 35 obstacles. Um, and so, and if you finish all those in a calendar year, you earn the coveted trifecta. Now, why did I do that? Because I'm trying to get people to change their habits and going out and doing a three mile race doesn't change your habits. But when you're training all year to get this trifecta done, before you know it, you got new friends, you got new habits, uh, you're drinking a little less, like everything is better in your life. So welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, we've got Joe DeSena, CEO, founder of Spartan Race. Joe, thanks for making time. Thanks for having me, and I'm sorry I'm late. I, I got stuck in traffic. I got my kettlebell I'm carrying. I had to go up and down stairs. It was uh, <laughs> it was easier to do an obstacle race than to get on the show, so thanks for having me. Sure, sure. Um, so if somebody happens to be living under a rock and, and doesn't know Spartan, can you give us the elevator pitch? Well, they must know ancient Sparta, right? Because every country we go to, they everybody knows, uh, not even from the movie, but just through history. By the way, I've been on a lot of podcasts. I have no idea how to turn off that little bing that you heard on my computer. So I apologize if we hear it 10 times throughout this podcast. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, um, so Sparta, right? They were, they were badass. They were... Um, they were probably the toughest uh, warriors around, uh, certainly at the time. Uh, maybe, maybe even today. I, you know, I, kudos, massive respect for the military. So I don't want to, I don't want to say anything, uh, take anything away from the military. But, but these guys only had like a thong, a spear, and a shield. <laughs> they were going, they were going to their death. Um, they didn't have any any heavy duty equipment. But, but so that was ancient sport, and we just we really just fast forwarded those principles uh, to today. And that's expressed in, in a race, that's expressed in training, that's expressed in, in our, our nutrition philosophy, um, in the way we tackle merchandise. So we are just trying to create uh, modern day warriors. Um, not everybody uh, ends up in the military. I wish everybody did do a year of service, but, um, but, but this is like uh, being in the military for a day. And, and hopefully it, it becomes part of your life, right? Where not that you're crawling under barbed wire, jumping over walls, uh, uh, swimming through ice cold water, but but you're approaching life in, in a little more of an aggressive manner, and um, you're not running from things, but you're you're running straight into them, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love it. Um, you know, of course, I had heard of Spartan Race and these kind of things. Um, my brother and best friend went to University on Track scholarships, and they run your races, and but I didn't I didn't know it was that much different than like the mud races or these kind of things. But the, the day I became your, a big fan of yours is when I watched your interview with Stephen Pressfield of who I'm like an undying fan of. And I was like, okay, that's what that guy thinks. I got to learn more about this guy and this stuff. How fun was that interview for you? That was great. I actually, I don't know where I was yesterday, but we were talking about Stephen Pressfield. Um, so obviously he wrote uh, The War of Art. He wrote um, Gates of Fire, amazing um, author and, and historian of Sparta. And so it was great to sit with that expert and, um, I don't know, just share notes. But, but the biggest takeaway from, from him, for me, was this idea that we're all going to face resistance on a daily basis. For him, that resistance is a blank piece of paper that he has to write on, right? He's got to come up with ideas that people are going to consume. And, um, 
And when you accept that, when you realize, wait, like it's never going to get easier. Matter of fact, I would argue life gets harder from the day you're born until the day you're dead. It would be an upward sloping um, trajectory, right? It just gets harder and harder and harder, and then you die. Uh, when you accept that, um, then maybe you better prepare for it each day, and you and you just put your head down, stop complaining, and just get it done. So, so big takeaway for me, hanging out with him, big fan of his, and um, yeah, yeah, good stuff. That's awesome. This is this is Jay. Nice to meet you, Joe. Jay, my pleasure. Um, one of the things I love about your career and, and something I wanted to ask you about, how, how do you encourage both entrepreneurs but other people exactly with what you were just saying? I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like, you know, how do I get the big win and then sit on an island for the rest of my life and never do anything? How do you encourage people to keep going after it? Because I think you you obviously love the pursuit of of challenges and reaching goals. How do you, how do you help people to see that it's not just like a, a sprint but that life and entrepreneurship and career is is something that's to be pursued throughout your life. You know, I think I think it's my biggest challenge. I think it's our biggest challenge, the three of us, um, and anybody that's trying to push people out of their comfort zone and get them healthy um, to just keep continuing uh, continuing to tackle life and just suck every ounce of marrow out of it. That's a tough thing to sell. I'd be lying to you. If um, I didn't tell you in the audience that all day, every single day, the thought crosses my mind that I got to get back to the farm and just pack it in because this is, this is hard work. But, but that's been going on, like Stephen Pressfield said, right? That's been going on my whole life. And it's been going on everybody's whole life. And it's just uh, a great analogy would be like when you're running uh, one mile, 10 miles, 100 miles, whatever it is, um, your mind is telling you to quit. And then you've got to fight that that instinct, you got to fight that voice and get through because um, so many good things happen when you get to the end. I heard a great one recently, which maybe sums up the answer to your question, which is, you know, it's always 99% effort and work and 1% reward, always. So if you're not enjoying that that work, that journey, um, you're probably not enjoying life, right? Because it's it's all work. And so and so then, how do you convince somebody? Like, I, I was with my buddy this morning. I stayed over his house. My best friend, he, he makes, you know, $25 million plus a year. And he's been doing that for a long time. And, you know, if I'm you or me or, you know, anybody listening, like, why, why would he continue? Why, does he, why did he go to work this morning? Why doesn't he just pack it in? And he and I are both from Queens, New York. And where we grew up, like, you just don't stop. You just, you're always, it's always hustling. You're always working because you enjoy that 99%. So, you know, I don't know if I gave a good answer there. It's, it's the one thing that I struggle with every day is how to get people fired up. But nothing drives me crazier than a bunch of people sleepwalking through life. Um, it's a tough one. It's a yeah. tough one. I will tell you one thing. I will tell you one thing. When you sign up for a tough event, it's going to sound like I'm a late-night sales pitch, pitchman here, but I'm not on, on this. If you sign up for a tough event, it doesn't have to be a Spartan. It could be whatever. 5k uh, bike race you name it um it does trigger uh, a bunch of things into action it, it, it calls you all cells in your body into action and you're going to bed a little earlier you're drinking a little less you're waking up a little right stuff starts to happen so i guess for my buddy and his example making all that money every year and having enough to just rest on the island um he just continues to challenge himself he continues to sign up for those difficult things not in the sense, let's say, of that bike race I described, but like he took a new job, a bigger job, bigger challenge, bigger responsibility. Per, you know, his, his whole reputation's on the line. Um, and so I guess 
I guess that's my answer is um, you are naturally going to retreat to the island if you're just not constantly putting yourself out there outside your comfort zone and, and putting your neck on the line. Is that, yeah. is that a good answer? Oh, I think it's a great answer. I, I, something we, uh, our kids, our kind of family motto is you can do hard things. And I think that that's something that we're missing and, and exactly what you were saying. I mean, it's that natural instinct to want to just relax and retreat. And so I, th I think that's what's so amazing about Spartan um, and I'd love to hear more about kind of some of the results you've seen with, with people as people have gone through this extremely hard thing that they didn't think they could do. How do you think that impacts the rest of their life? I think um, it changes their frame of reference. Um, for me, a frame of reference is a pair of goggles or glasses you're wearing through life, right? It, it encapsulates uh, all your experiences, your beliefs, uh, your values. And, and those glasses are either, you know, really, really clean and shiny and, and uh, you, you know, they, they view things like uh, carrying uh, the laundry basket up the stairs is difficult or they could be, you know, marred and dirty and like, like in Mad Max, those, those goggles, right? And, and that happens. You change those goggles. You change that frame of reference when you do hard things and you come out the other side because what happens is you say to yourself, you know what? Carrying this laundry basket up the stairs is not so bad. At least I'm not, you know, three quarters away up Everest like I was last week, right? And so if, you got, if you've got some frame of reference, some point that, that you could refer to, uh, it just makes your current day so much, you know, that's why I carry the kettlebell. That's why I do the burpees. That's why I take the cold showers. Um, that's why Seneca, right, uh, stoic, uh, would, would supposedly go out in the streets and live like a bum, even though he was very wealthy, uh, because he just needed to reset and change that frame of reference so that he started to appreciate hit the things he had around. You know, they say happiness is wanting what you have. I love that saying. And when you go through tough times and you don't have water and food and shelter and you're sh like, you start to appreciate everything you have. But when you don't go through tough times and you've got everything at your fingertips and push a button and lay naked like Gary Vee says and watch Netflix and like, you don't appreciate anything. Matter of fact, you're upset when the Wi-Fi doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested. You, you uh you've got such consistency over the years you know back watching your old ted talk from six years ago and you know 60 minutes and all these media things this mission you have to yank people off the couch is something that's obviously not just a marketing shtick like that's some, something that seems to be really in your core um i'm interested you know a couple of things that jay or jay and i are staring at on the computer screen here one of them is on spartan.com um can you explain to people the difference between, like, we're looking at events you've got coming up, Utah, Colorado, Idaho, Nevada, all over, but you've got these, a super, a sprint, a beast, these things. Can you, A, tell us a little bit about what the difference is, and B, from a business perspective, can you talk to us about why you decided to, you know, have offerings for more than just the elite athlete? Yeah, well, I, well, I wish I could tell you that it's because I'm a genius, but... I'm not a genius. Um, I play the same tape over and over, as you pointed out. Ten years ago, uh, I was doing interviews. This is what you're going to hear from me. And I think about what, number one, what motivates me, what um, I'd be interested in, um, what would scare me, right? what would get me in shape. And um, I just apply that to the business. So I think about that. I think about myself. I think, you know, every year or even when you first get into anything endurance related or or physically challenging, you start at a place. 
started a 5K, half marathon, whatever it is. And once you check that box, in most cases, you, you want to taste a little more. You're like, I want to do, do a little more. So for us, it was whether the person is, is uh, just getting into this or looking at it on an annual basis, the way I would do it is I'd start something small in January, February, right around that time when we're um, – wait, could you guys hold on one second? Yep. Hold on one second. Thanks. We are talking about – Are we doing your class this morning? Sorry about that. Nope, you're good. Um, we were just asking kind of the difference between a super, a sprint, a beast, is if, for people that are interested and maybe they yeah, want yeah. to do this. Yeah, yeah. so, so uh, you know, beginning of the year, come out and do a sprint, three-plus miles, you know, um, move forward uh, a little longer in the year and come out and test yourself and do eight-plus miles towards the end of the year. At least this is what I found was interesting for me, and uh, you know, 1.3 million people a year now kind of follow this routine, and then um, do a beast, which is a half marathon, which is about equal to a full marathon when you throw in, you know, 35 obstacles. Um, and so, and if you finish all those in a calendar year, you earn the coveted trifecta. Now, why did I do that? Because I'm trying to get people to change their habits, and going out and doing. A three-mile race doesn't change your habits. But when you're training all year to get this trifecta done, before you know it, you got new friends, you got new habits, uh, you're drinking a little less. Like, everything is better in your life. So that that is that. Now, above that, I go even a little further with things like the agogi or the death race or the hurricane heat. And that's because I found for myself there are moments in time where I'm like, screw it. I'm going for broke. Like let's let's really let's really do this. And so the agogi is 60 hours, a death race is 72 hours, and those are like just completely life-changing experiences. That's like climbing Everest. That's like uh, you know going through buds. Um, so yeah, hopefully that gives a good description of, um, of of what we do. Yeah, you bet. You know, um, as Jay and I were preparing for this interview, we we've been doing a mini series where we've been talking to a bunch of venture capitalists and a bunch of rapidly growing startups and i think one of the questions jay brought up earlier was you know you at, at the color run he, you know he was part of the team that ramped that up to 100 million bucks but but you know it hasn't stood the test of time it's not it's not the big deal it was and you know there are so many races that um are kind of a fad frankly you know and and they don't retain they don't have compound interest going uh, and we were really interested to hear some of your ideas about um Maybe what you think you've done differently and how that could apply to people outside the race industry. Well, very early on, I said to myself, um, Woodstock was a big event, but it happened once, maybe twice. Um, the Olympics was a big event, but it happens all the time, right? It happens every four years, every two years. So how do I get that kind of staying power, number one? That's how I thought about it from, as a business person. But on the other side, and I apologize to you guys saying this, like, I just wasn't interested in being involved in something like the color run. I just, I wasn't interested in being involved in something where we were just splashing a bunch of beer around and listening to music. I just personally, doesn't mean it's bad, doesn't mean uh, lots of people don't get great benefit from those, I just wasn't interested in it. So for me, how do I get stickiness, how do I get longevity, and how do I do something I really love? Well, that's sport, that's legitimate, right? Like, like the military to me seems very uh, legit. Uh, combat sports, very legit. CrossFit, legit. And so I just wanted to be legit. And I think an authentic would be a word that comes to mind. And so when you think about things that kind of 
grow in popularity and, and, and disappear, they're probably not legit. They're probably not very authentic. They probably don't emulate the Olympics where people time themselves and rank themselves and see how do they do better, right? How does it become aspirational? So uh, that's the way I thought about it. And I think that's why we're still here. I think that's a great point. I, I mean, even being there, I think another key difference I can see is um, that there's a deeper purpose, you know, um, that there's something beyond just the, hey, let's build a, a business that's big and makes a lot of money. Um, and, and I think there were some some other goals, but I, I think that that is a key difference. There was a bigger purpose, a bigger mission behind Spartan um, than a lot of the fun runs. I mean, they were just kind of like, oh, let's do this cool thing and make a lot of money. Um, how do you inspire uh, your, or how do you kind of represent that to your to your customer and help them feel like they're a part of that? Well, I do these podcasts. Um, we write books. Um, and then I think it just oozes out of me. I think there was never a business plan. Uh, it was always, um, basically, it was my mom's mission that I picked up, which is just to get people healthy. And um, I tend to joke and say, look, if I get 100 million people healthy, I get a free pass to heaven. But, <laughs> you know, part, it's partly a joke and partly like, you know, I'm 50 now. At some point, I'm going. No, nobody gets out of this thing alive. So um, it would be nice to do some good. What the hell am I going to do with a bunch of money dead? I told my kids we were on a ski, ski chairlift once, me and three of my children. We have four children. And I said, you know, when I die, I want you to take the money, lay it on top of me, and just light the whole thing on fire. <laughs> and they were like, what? Why, why are you going to burn them? I said, what do you mean? It's mine. Like, I earned, like, and so what are you going to do with it? The point is, when, when you're dead, you're not going to be able to do anything with it. So, um, And just having another fancy car or, or a nice, you know, whatever. I, I want to be able to pay my bills. I want to be able to do whatever I want. But ultimately, like you said early on with the questions, like I'm a workaholic maniac anyway, just like my buddy I described. So um, I like to work. If I'm going to work like crazy and money's not that important, I might as well be doing something good. The best we could do on this planet is help people. Um, I'm not a soup kitchen guy. And so this is my this is my soup kitchen, right? If I can get people to um, get off the couch, get healthy, sweating and feeling good, um, and I'm uh, to your point. I found my purpose. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, last question for this uh, first part of part of the discussion. Um, for that guy who maybe or girl who's listening and they're like feeling, man, I need to do that. I need to take that next step. What do you? Uh, what's maybe a tip where they're they're feeling like they should, but they're just trying to to motivate themselves? What would you t tell that person? I guess I would say. Again, I'm going to sound like a late night TV pitch man. Just sign up. Because once you sign up, you know, you just gave me an idea, a marketing idea. I probably should do something where if you sign up and then change your mind, I'll just give you your money back. Because once you sign up, it sets a whole series of things in motion. And, and because otherwise you sit and pontificate, talk yourself out of it, do the analysis, talk to friends, I'm not in shape. Come up with a hundred reasons why you can't do it. Look. We get a couple of million people a month to the website globally, all right? Two million people a month. Only 100,000 people a month sign up. So 1.9 million people, assuming each one of them are unique, and I can't really track that because after a month, you can't track cookies, whatever, right? So, it's, so let's just assume for a second. It's two million uniques, 100,000 sign up. 1.9 million people are the woman you described or a man 
you describe, which is, I'm not sure, and they talk themselves out of it. So what happens? They just get stuck in their life, and they do the same thing, and they expect different results. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Sign up. Okay, so besides going to Spartan.com and signing up, uh, Joe, where can people? Where else can people follow you, um, check out your social? What's What's the best places? I have no idea, but um, they could check out our books. They could go to the Spartan Up podcast on YouTube or iTunes. They could uh, check out the books. They could shoot me an email, joe at spartan.com. Um, we have Instagram. I don't know all this hand, the handles and all that <laughs> stuff. But um, you could find, just Google Spartan and something will come up. And, and if you don't have the money, but you really want to make a change, uh, just email me. And I'll, um, the other thing is I have a farm. My wife and I have a farm in Vermont, 700 acres. I'm happy to create a transformational experience for anybody. Just show up on the farm. I'll, I'll kick your butt for a day or a year or whatever you want. Nobody shows up. My wife had a heart attack. I invited 5 million people to the farm. Nobody shows up. 20, 20 people show up, 30, because nobody wants to do the work. If I said, come to the farm, I have cotton candy, Netflix, big screen TV, everybody be there. I love it. Well, everybody, please tune, tune in for uh, part two. We're going to keep hearing about Spartaning Up from, uh, from Joe. Thanks, everybody.